Let's look again at uh, John, uh, this last section of teaching of Jesus, his last words in the book of John, and we're going to look at uh, chapter 17 this morning. From chapter 14 through 17, we have Jesus' last words to his disciples before his crucifixion. It was really his last words of instruction to them. And I've been struck uh, and impressed uh, in a new way of, of the theme, the uh, uh, singular theme that he has uh, through this. And I had not fully noticed that before of how these chapters, his main uh, point and focus is on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and sanctification. That was the last thing he focused on with his disciples before the cross. And it embodies a, uh, a real significant uh, teaching for us on this doctrine, the Holy Spirit and sanctification. Many of the fundamental truths of that occur right here in John 14 through 17. And we've looked at some of those statements on the Holy Spirit. And now today in chapter 17, he makes... Uh, a statement about sanctification, and we're going to talk about that and look at some other scriptures also. We find that uh, starting in verse 14, where he says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So there we have Jesus saying, praying this truth. Sanctify them by your truth. This is Jesus' will for us. This is what he wants for us, is that we be sanctified. Let's talk about what that means and the importance of it. For this is what God's will is for us as Christians. He wants us to be saved first. That's how we enter into his kingdom. Then he wants us to be sanctified. He wants to experience sanctification. And that is the life we live, that we live for Jesus on this earth. And that the word sanctify just simply means to be set apart. Um, much like you might have a room full of stuff and you take one thing in that room and you separate it out and you say, this is going to be for a specific purpose. I'm going to use this for a specific thing. That's what the word sanctify means. Is you set it aside for a special purpose and it's set it's taken away from the whole room of stuff set aside say i'm we're going to use this for that much like i just thought of how about you know you have a cabinet full of dishes you have a kitchen full of dishes plates but sometimes you have a special set you might have a special set of we have we have a set of china that uh that i bought Dana for a gift for an anniversary one year. And it's special. We don't use it every meal. You know, when it's out on the table, we go, what's going on? What's special occasion? You know, we just don't use it as a regular everyday 
setting. It's special. It's for special occasions. That's the, that's the word sanctification or sanctify that God wants for us and what Jesus prayed for us here in John 17. Sanctify them by your truth. This is what he wants for his disciples. Jesus was praying this prayer for all his disciples, those there at that time and all who come later. And that's us. And this is what he wants for us. He wants us to have a special purpose for our life where we are set aside. That means, and there's an element of we are separated and we're different than the other of what we're separated from. What is that? Well, he says it right here in the context we read when he speaks about the world. Well, first he says, I've given them, verse 14, I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. And so the ones we're separated from is the world, and what separates us is the Word of God. What sets us, the, the different purpose that we have is to live by God's Word and His truth. That is what is to guide our life. That is what is to direct our life. That is what is to shape our life, is to make the decisions in our life, is what God's Word says. And what Jesus says here is very accurate, and you can mark this down, and you need to remember this, that if you live by God's word, you will be hated by the world. The world will not stand that. They hate that. And that's what we see manifest in our world today. Uh, all the hatred directed at us. It is because we choose to live by God's word. And that's what's going on with, if we, with our Opposition to homosexuality and the whole issue there of saying when we say, Christians say this is a sin, this is not God's will, this is wrong and we should not have anything to do with this. We should not allow it in any way, manifest it in any way in our culture. And the world hates that because they hate the word of God. And that hatred will be directed at us and it is directed at us. In fact, and, and they're very, you know, to understand the dynamics of the strategy they employ and it probably goes back to, I'm sure it goes back to Satan. This is his trick, trickery, is that the world tries to accuse us of doing what they are doing, meaning hating. They call us haters. If we won't accept homosexuals, homosexuality, we're haters. You hate for, you're mean, mean, we're, we're loving, we accept everybody. You see how they, they, they just try to very, in a tricky way, switch around the truth and we don't need to let that, that uh, let them get away with that. We need to clarify. First, we need to demonstrate by our own actions and lives that well, we are being motivated by love, love of God, and love of the love of uh, people, and love of the truth. Because homosexuals are hurting themselves; they're destroying their lives. They're destroying culture. We do it out of love. We need to keep that mentality. Uh, but bottom line, it comes down to we love the truth, and we're guided by the truth, and we're going to stand on God's word. And the world's going to hate that. And that's going to send us down a different road, a different path than the world because we're living by the truth of God. Well, he says in verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. This is what sanctifies us, is we're going to be set aside, set apart on a purpose to live by God's word. That's what it means to be sanctified. It means we're going to live by God's word, not by what we feel, not going to be led by our feelings. That's the biggest competition is your own feelings. 
You're going to want, well, this just makes me feel this way. Or I just feel this. And that's going to send you down the wrong road most of the time. Most of the time our feelings are corrupted and sinful or misguided. So we can't listen to our feelings. Number one, we live by God's word. And then as we do that, we're going to find we get the best feelings in the end. And that's the verse of my life, Psalm 116, uh, the last verse there, because that's what it speaks. That's the truth it speaks. You will show me the path of life and your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The real truth is by, by living by the word of God, that brings us the most joy and the most pleasure in life. The fullest expression and experiences of life are according to God's word. And God's plans and God's designs. But our sinful feelings, our flesh, it's weak and very deceived. We, we, will be, we will tend to, we will most likely first think, oh no, the best feeling, the most happiness, the most excitement is disobeying God. But it's a lie. We'll live according to God's word, sanctify ourselves, live by the truth. We'll find out in the end as we walk down that road, wow, this is the best it is. It doesn't get any better than this. This is the most you can have in life. And our feelings come around, you know, eventually. But first, our feelings are misguided. So we don't listen to our feelings. And second, we don't listen to our other people. We don't listen to the crowd. We don't follow what the crowd is doing. That's really the world. But it also can be other Christians. It can be. It can be other Christians who are straddling the fence, and they're not living by this, not being sanctified. They're saying, oh, I don't want to be a misfit. I don't want to be stuck over here by myself. I just want to fit in. I want to do what the world's doing, but I follow Christ. Now, right there, they contradicted themselves. But that's where a lot of Christians are today, and that's always been a, a challenge and a battle. You look at it through all the Old Testament scriptures, New Testament, and Old Testament Israel, they, they followed the nations around them. That's where they got in trouble. They said, we want to worship gods like the other nations, and they took in their idols. They said, we want to be like the other nations. That's following the crowd. In the Old Testament, there's a scripture that says, do not follow a crowd to do evil. It just puts it right out there. That's the second challenge, following the crowd. And those are the two biggest ones. And we've got to say no to that and say, the, the Word of God is my authority. It is my direction in life. And that's how you live a sanctified life. That's what it's meaning. You're set apart to be obedient to God's Word and to serve Him and obey what He says life is to be. And this is what... Um, God's will is for us in, in our lives today after we're saved. This is what, uh, how we're to live. Living by the Word of God. And notice Jesus calls it the truth. Your Word is truth, verse 17. Well, what better thing to live by the truth? Because if, you're not, if it's not the truth, if something's not the truth, then that means it's a lie. And what value is there really even living by a lie? You know, if something's really not true, if it's false... What value really is there? And that's what all sin is. Oh, it has, it has an outward appearance of something, a very superficial, temporary pleasure. 
But it's false. There's nothing to it, nothing long-lasting, and it's emptiness. What value is that? God's Word is truth, and that's what we should live by. And, and then he says in verse 16, He sent us out in the world to do this. Just as God the Father sent Jesus into the world, He sent us into the world. And we can live for Jesus, obeying Him, witnessing for Him through the help of the Holy Spirit. And that's what it means to be sanctified. This is what Jesus did, and He said, I want you to do the same thing. And this is basically how we follow Jesus in the world. Well, I want to look at some other New Testament scriptures that teach this. This is very important, and it is also um, it is being neglected today among churches and Christian people. Because what this basically means is you're going to live a separated life, not just doing, doing what the world does, but do what God's Word says, and that's going to send you down a different road. And you do that, and you will be criticized, and you will be hated, and you'll be persecuted, as the Bible says. And the sad reality is a lot of Christians don't want that today. They want to be popular, and they want to be a part of everything. And so it's, this is a minority thing today. The majority is, oh, let's just do what everybody else is doing. And let's, let's just fit in. But the scriptures call us to a sanctified life. Look first at um, 1 Corinthians, no, 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? Or what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Now there's just a general principle, and we can, we can apply it and should apply it in different ways. But it's the idea of two, two oxen who are yoked together, working, and they're going to go together. You know, they're, they're yoked together, so they're going to go the same places. Do everything together. And in the Scriptures warn us against that and say, don't be unequally yoked together where you're pulled along with an unbeliever. There's just certain limitations that we can't, uh, we, we can't do everything an unbeliever does because they're going to follow sin in the world. Verse 16, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, and this is a quote from the Old Testament, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And there's the statement there in verse 17. Come out from among them and be separate. That's the statement of sanctification. And we are called to a separated life, meaning separating from sin. Sinful practices, conduct, we are called to separate from it. And if the world is doing that, or a certain group of people are doing that, or even somebody in our family is doing it, say, hey, let's, let's sit down, let's watch this movie. And it's got all kinds of sinful things in it. The Bible says, don't do that. Be separate. Don't set your mind on evil. And we're called to follow that. And though somebody else said, no, I'm going to do this. I want to watch this. I want to go do this. That means we're, we have to separate then. From them. That's what it comes down to. And we're called to that. And notice what he says, the point he makes is the, uh, the person that's participating is not going to like that. The unbeliever won't like that. But 
There's someone who will like it, and that's God. He says, Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. Now, he's not speaking about salvation here. Understand, there's salvation that is completed, the repentance and faith, and then there's sanctification, which is a separate thing. It's our life for God. Here he's talking about sanctification. And he's saying, though, that if we'll separate, he will be pleased with that, and he will bless us in our relationship with him as our Heavenly Father. He will bless us. It is the blessing love that we've seen in, in those chapters in John that we, that, uh, we looked at before, where Jesus said, He who has my word and abides in it will be loved by my Father. He'll bless that person. There's a blessing that comes from God in our obedience. That is, in addition to His love, He gives us in salvation. Same way with human or family relationships. You know, like I've said before, a parent will love a child no matter what they do. There will always be an eternal love of a parent to a child. But if they live a disobedient life, they won't enjoy that. The parent won't enjoy that. They'll be displeased with that child. They'll still love them, but they'll be displeased. But, but if the child is living an obedient life and a very God-honoring life, there's just a, a, a love for the uh, parent that says, yes, I'm pleased with that. And they bless that. They wouldn't bless a life of disobedience, a life of even criminal activity. A parent wouldn't bless that, wouldn't help that. But they will bless the life of obedience and say, encourage that. That's what God does for us. That's what he's talking about here. God will bless us and encourage us in our obedience as an obedient son and daughter. One more verse goes along with this. Uh, the chapter break here, I think, is probably should not be here. That was added later by editors. But it follows the same thought in chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. God wants us to live a holy life, turning away from sin, and that's what it means to be sanctified. All right, the next one, let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. Ephesians 5, verse 8. Paul is going to speak many times about this in his letters to the churches. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And see that statement there, verse 10? There's some things that are acceptable to the Lord and some are not. He wants us to walk in goodness, righteousness, and truth. And God is pleased with that. He's displeased when we don't. Verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Verse 11 is a very important uh, principle stated there. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. You can apply that yourself and say, well, okay, as a Christian, should, is it okay for me to participate in this thing? Evaluate it according to verse 11. Will it put me in fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness? Will it put me... It's like fellowship, two fellows in a ship. Will it put me together, cooperating, participating in some works of darkness? Then the Scripture says don't have anything to do with it. Don't do that. Don't do that activity. I think that is, uh, I think I apply it in different situations, and sometimes it's debated uh, this way. And I think uh, some Christians make wrong decisions because they don't 
apply these principles in these verses. And they just say, well, I can do whatever I want in Christ. So it says, they'll say, well, I can, I can go to bars. I'll just go to bars. I'll go in there and, and I'll, I'll you know, eat in there and, and, and fellowship in there. And, and, and I'll try to be a witness. And I think that violates this, this scripture uh, because you go in there and you're going to be fellowshipping with unfruitful works of darkness. You're going to be identified with that crowd. And I guarantee you, the scene in the bars is, the whole thing is, everybody come on, let's join in. Everybody go in. It's all about the crowd. Everybody do this, what we're doing. And you go in there and you say, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. You're not going to last very long in that situation. You're not going to be a friend. You're not going to be accepted. You're going to go, hey, you need to get out of here. You know, quit ruining our party. So you're going to have to have fellowship with them in that bar, doing what they do, talking about what they talk about. And that's going to make you fellowshipping with the unfruitful works of darkness. So I don't think a Christian can really do that successfully. You know, might there be a unique time where maybe you have to go in to try to help somebody, a friend? Yeah, maybe, to go in and get someone out. But on, on, on a consistent basis, say, I'm just on oh, Friday, Saturday nights, I go down to the bars, you know, and I just hang out with all the unbelievers. I'm trying to be a witness. No, your fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness is what you're doing. And what will happen invariably in that is the Christian gets pulled into that sin rather than pulling the unbelievers out of that sin. Because they're, they're putting themselves in that fellowship of the works of darkness, and that is no place for the Christian to be. We're called to separate. And if we want to witness... Witness to them in another context, another situation where we're not participating, being fellowshipping with those unfruitful works of darkness. That's what we see here. And it comes into the sanctified life. It's the separated life. All right, another one. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I just want to emphasize that point. Um, and, and, I, and asking, evaluating, well, is this activity good for me? Is it not? Should a Christian do this? Should not? Bottom line, you can look at to say, will this, will this lead me into temptation? Will this pull me towards sin? Because we don't need to underestimate that, that we are very weak to sin. And if we put ourselves into sinful situations out in the world with the crowd, it's, it's very likely we're going to get pulled down into that sin. And we have to think about protecting ourselves. If we want to live a sanctified life, that means we have to keep ourselves away from sinful things that could pull us down while still trying to be a witness in the world. As Jesus prayed in John 17, I didn't read that verse, but he said, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but did you keep them from, well, I think we did read that, but you keep them from the evil one. So there's the balance. We're not to, you know, never be around unbelievers. Because we can't witness if we don't. We're not to be out of the world. That's not what Jesus wanted. But we're to stay away from the evil. Separate from the evil. We keep that balance. We're in the world, but we're going to separate from the evil and the evil one. And, you know, we can witness in different contexts, different situations. We don't always, we don't have to go and participate with the unbelievers and everything they're doing to be a witness to them. And that's not a, um, a good thing to do as Christians. Chapter 4, verse Thessalonians 4. Finally then, brethren, we urge you and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. 
All right, there's our word. Paul's going to teach about an area. Here's how we're to be set apart and be separate. That you should abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is given to us to sanctify us and to empower us to be sanctified, meaning we just obey the word of God and we turn away from evil. And here in this specific area, sexual immorality, which is such a major area, it is uh, in the list of sins in the book of Galatians, it tops the list. It is a very prominent sin, part of our sinful flesh, and we need to be on guard about it. And we need to be very careful about this. And that's what Paul is urging here. And I would say this, in applying this, these principles, we should evaluate activities, everything we do to say, will this put me in a place of temptation in this area? Because a lot of what the world does is trying to pursue this. It's trying to pursue immorality. And not go according to God's designs for romantic relationships and physical relationships that's only to be in the context of a marriage between a husband and wife for life. And the devil's constantly trying to get, filling the world with immorality to tempt people into fornication and adultery. And those are the two big categories of those sins. And there's so much of that in the world, and there's so much of it in all the movies and in books, magazines. So much of the world is filled with sexual morality, and we've got to be on guard about that and say, I've got to guard myself on this. And that means then I will not, I would not participate in this because it's going to then weaken me toward this area that's so dangerous, and so I'm going to set up boundaries. That's how we must operate. And that's where I think a lot of Christians are making mistakes. And a lot of it in movies. There's so much immorality in movies and on TV. That's one reason why we kick the TV out of our house in the sense that not network television. And now just watch movies so that we can choose what we watch. And we can control what we watch. Because we can stop it or we can do whatever. We control it. With network television, you had no control, and it's just gone off the deep end. It's gone off the rails because that's what the world does, and that's what the world is doing under Satan. It's just going to all kinds of immorality. To, to now, now, understand this, you younger generation, is most people your age aren't even getting married. They just live together because of this, because they've seen it on the TV, and it was just... They were just indoctrinated in it. It started when I grew up. Most of the shows I watched growing up were people who lived together and were not married. It is influencing a lot of minds, and it has, where most young people today don't even regard marriage. They just live together, live together for a few years. Most of the time, those relationships don't last, and then they get with someone else, and they live with them, and they just totally thrown out marriage. And you know what then they're living in? They're living in sexual immorality. And it's just whoever, you know, just have a relationship with this person. And if this person comes along, I have a relationship with that person. And it's just just chaos. 
destroys the family, destroys the family unit. That has happened in the, the black community to where most uh, uh, black children don't live with their fathers because they just, they don't have a family. And it just devastates that, that family community. And that's what's fed a lot of the crime and all of that. This is so harmful. And a lot of it starts with sexual immorality. And this is a very key area to be sanctified in. We've got to be very careful about this to know how to possess our vessels in sanctification and honor, as verse 4 says, because it is so, such a dangerous, harmful, destructive area. And there's so much of it in the world. And we've got to be careful. That we've got to be on guard. And that's, that's why uh, I, I advocate and I encourage modesty in dress. This is a part how the world tries to run after this by just dressing immodestly, indecently, and the world is just running headlong after that. Why? Sexual, they want to pursue sexual immorality. And we've got to have boundaries. You know, it's kind of like we saw a lot of, we were up high in the mountains and uh, saw a lot of neat scenes, but along the roadside there were guardrails. And I was thankful for those guardrails. You'd really be thankful if you lost control of your car and you hit those guardrails. The purpose is to keep you from going off the cliff and killing yourself. And I think it's the same way spiritually. We've got to set up guardrails and say, these are boundaries. I don't cross this. I don't do this. I don't go over here because if I go, I get close to the edge and, and I could go over and this is dangerous. This is serious. And the book of Proverbs talks about that, that this is a matter of life and death, that many men have been cast down to hell through the sins of sexual immorality, destroyed their family, destroyed even their own soul. And we got to set up boundaries. And I see modest dress as a boundary, not watching certain, uh, this depicted on movies and TV as a boundary. Keep it out of your mind. Set your mind on it, you're going to get pulled into it. That's just the way it works. What you think about is what eventually comes out of your life and your actions. That's just human nature. That's why God says, guard your heart. He's talking about guard your mind, guard your eyes. It needs to be guarded on the books we read, things we're looking at, the internet. Guys, we've got to be setting up guardrails that you just don't go certain places. You don't. Things come up. There are ads. I encourage you, uh, use ad blockers. That's a guardrail where it blocks ads. And you just set up guardrails to keep this stuff out from before your eyes and before your mind. This is a part of sanctification. This is how we live a sanctified life, is to set up those guardrails. In this area, it's especially important we do that because if you set, just the reality is you set your mind and your eyes on this, you will get led into it. It's that powerful. We are that weak. That's just the reality. So we, we've got to be very careful about this, and Paul stresses that here in 1 Thessalonians. One more. 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. And Peter will, he will touch on these important truths too. Verse 13. 1 Peter 1, 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. The mind is the key. That's where the battle is won or lost. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, 
for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. And so we're to live by the fear of God and the love of God, and we obey Him. We're obedient children. We turn away from the lusts of the flesh. We don't live by lust. We live by the truth of the Word of God. And he says that's how we're to conduct ourselves in our time on the earth. Love God, loving God, fearing God. Fearing Him in the sense that we fear disobeying Him and going away from Him, crossing Him, just like a child with a parent. Same parallel things. It's a healthy thing for a child to fear the punishment of a parent. Fear getting spankings. Fear being disciplined. That's the aspect of fear for the good of that child, that that child will turn away from what is wrong. The child knows the parent loves them, and they're, they're disciplining them out of love. And as the child matures, the truth hopefully they come to is they, they obey because they love the father and mother, and they know they have their best interests in mind, and they fear then their discipline and their authority, and they learn to obey. That's the same way with us and God. We obey out of love and a fear that if we go away from Him, it destroys our life. We are walking away from life itself when we disobey God. And so Peter calls us to that also. In these, all these are, are, are great texts on sanctification where we're set apart to obey God's truth as obedient children. Very important doctrine. This is what our life is to be about. As Christians, as we live our time on the earth, as we wait for Jesus to return, to take us to be with Him. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for these great verses and these truths and this, uh, this important area of doctrine and truth. Help us to give us power, Holy Spirit, to be sanctified, to seek to live this way, to turn away from our sinful feelings and the crowd, and to be guided only by your word and your truth, knowing that you will be pleased and it's the best for us in life. And that we won't be swayed by the criticism of the world. We won't fear man, but we fear God. Help us to be sanctified in your truth, to live as we should, to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray.